0: Talk 1110 and 993 WBT. Let me go ahead and uh, join this uh, news conference right now. This is Roy Cooper talking about uh, Hurricane sure Ian. You plan
1: if you are uh, into in an area with a flood risk. And I encourage people to heed the warnings of local officials and make sure you have a plan if you are in an area with a flood risk. We've faced storms like this before and we know what to do. Especially this weekend, I appreciate the efforts of our emergency management officials, our National Guard, our State Highway Patrol, and other first responders to keep people safe. Our thoughts are with our neighbors to the south, particularly in Florida, as they recover from the devastation that this storm brought. We currently have personnel on the ground in Florida, and after the storm moves on from us, will offer more assistance to them as they begin what we know will be a long and hard recovery. Today I'm joined by Emergency Management Director Will Ray, Public Safety Secretary Eddie Buffalo, our Transportation Secretary Eric Boyette, Major General Todd Hunt, the Adjutant General of the North Carolina National Guard, and Colonel Freddie Johnson, the Commander of the North Carolina Highway Patrol. Our American Sign Language interpreter is Nicole Fox. And behind the scenes, our Spanish language interpreters are Yasmin Mativier and Erica Kugler. Uh, at this time, I'll ask Director Ray for his update. Thank
2: you, Governor Cooper. Good afternoon, everyone. The state emergency response team remains activated here at the state EOC and at our three regional coordination centers. And we continue to make adjustments based on forecast changes and respond to local requests as the hurricane approaches. Currently, 25 counties have opened or partially activated their local emergency operation centers. 12 of those have local states of emergency in place. And here at the state C and in our regional coordinating centers, we've responded to about 50 resource requests from local governments. Our swiftwater rescue teams and search and rescue task force are now on station where we believe they will be most needed. We have increased the number pre deployed from yesterday to 12 total teams staged across all three of our regional branches at this time. They're ready but have not been needed to respond to any incidents at this point. The North Carolina National Guard has mobilized a number of force packages to support emergency response. Those personnel and vehicles are ready and pre-staged across the state in Asheville, Wilkesboro, Conover, Burlington, Greensboro, and Mooresville. Additionally, as we said yesterday, support from the Department of Transportation, the State Highway Patrol, the Office of the State Fire Marshal, and the Office of EMS continue to be engaged across the state to support effective response operations. Authorities in Cumberland County have opened a shelter in Fayetteville for those who need refuge from the storm. And the Rock City Campground at the Charlotte Motor Speedway remains open for hurricane evacuees as well. We continue collaboration with our local partners for potential post impact sheltering needs, especially related to power outages. As the governor said, we are seeing power outages across the state. And while they are focused largely in the southeastern part of our state at this time, we are seeing them pockets of outages across all three regions of our state. And in the last hour have seen a steady increase in progression. As this storm progresses, the Ready NC website will be a place where you can find information on open shelters, on power outages, weather forecasts, and expected weather impacts, and information on how to be prepared. That's readync.gov. As we said yesterday, while we don't expect widespread evacuations will be needed during the storm, heavy rain in coastal counties will make flooding a threat. Visit knowyourzone.nc.gov know to find out if you live in one of these evacuation zones and listen for your zone if evacuations are ordered. Again, it's good to be prepared, whether for this event or a potential one in the future. With very wet and sometimes dangerous conditions on the roads, please help to keep all of our law enforcement, transportation, utility, and other essential workers safe by observing the state's move over law. Reduce speed and change lanes to give roadside workers plenty of safe space. We appreciate all that those men and women do when the state is experiencing its bad day. The combined state and state emergency response team, local, state, federal, tribal, nonprofit and volunteer agencies in the private sector remain engaged and are working to ensure the protection of 10.5 million North Carolinians. I'm incredibly proud of the men and women of the team as they collaborate to make sure we can get the right resources to our local communities when they're needed. Again, we also need each of you as a part of that whole of community approach to check on your neighbors, your friends and family and look out for each other as we move through this storm to make sure everyone is safe and secure. Thank you, Governor.
1: Thank you, Director Ray, And now we'll hear from our Transportation Secretary, Eric Boyat.
3: Thank you, Governor. Good afternoon. I first wanna thank all of our thousands of employees from NCDOT and our partner agencies who are preparing the state for this storm. And have helped us respond over the coming days. Your hard work and your efforts are recognized. And we appreciate everything you do to keep us safe. Governor Cooper and I did visit today with our Wake County maintenance yard earlier, and we're prepared and watched how our teams are ready to respond to this storm. Our first responders across the state are working around the clock. And the best thing you can do is stay off the road so that they can do their job safely. NCDOT continues to actively monitor and respond to roadway conditions. And our roadway conditions are worsening. We are seeing more road closures as the storm is moving closer. We're keeping our eye on the storm surge in our southeastern counties, including an inward flow toward the sound and rivers. We're also experiencing isolated flash flooding and the potential for downward trees as winds are expected to increase in some of our areas. Our crews are patrolling areas to respond to any of those emergencies. We have thousands of signs, barricades, and other necessary equipment ready to respond for these efforts. Our staff at our traffic operations centers continue to monitor traffic conditions across our state 24-7. As you heard the governor, all of our North Carolina ferry routes are suspended at this time. Each route will reopen as soon as it is safe to do so. Our vessel activities are suspended today at both our Wilmington and Moorhead City ports, and at this time, all state-run passenger trains are continued to operate, but please look at the latest schedules and visit ncbytrain.org. Looking ahead, once this damage is assessed, we will work to get our roads open as swiftly as possible. We may be using some of our contract partners as well, and they are prepared. Remember, as this day goes on, if you encounter standing water on a roadway, please don't chance it. One of our most important safety messages is turn around, don't drown. Never drive around a barricade. They are there for a good reason, to protect you. Please stay off the roads in storm-affected areas if possible. If you must venture out, be sure to check out the latest information on our road closures and travel conditions at drivenc.gov. And the next few days, please be on the lookout for NC DOT crews and our first responders working in our areas. We want to make sure you, our first responders, and our employees make it home safe to their families. Again, thank you, and please be stay safe out there. Thank you, Governor. Okay, first, if there are any questions from. People in
1: the audience will be glad to take them over here at this mic, if you'd like to.
3: Good afternoon, Governor. Um, Elaine Athens from ABC 11. I was just with you over at the maintenance yard as you were there, uh, you know, meeting with workers who are out on the ground doing this work and and putting in long hours and doing so. What I believe I heard you say there was that um, perhaps central North Carolina is going to be a little bit more impacted than originally thought. So what does that mean for your overall uh, plan for this area? Are you mobilizing, deploying perhaps more crews here now?
1: Well, one of the things that you learn in emergency management is that you have to be flexible and you have to plan for storm tracks moving one place to the next. We were looking at this being more of a western North Carolina event a little earlier. Uh, The storm has tacked a little bit to the east, so we may see more rain in the southeastern and central part of our state than expected. So. The the road crews and emergency management officials are staged in different parts of our state. And if we see that needs are greater in one part of the state than the other, then those crews are ready to reposition. And that's why they've been spaced out the way they have been.
0: All right. We've been listening to Governor Roy Cooper's uh, press conference live from Raleigh on the uh, Hurricaneian uh response efforts so far. So that's good news, I guess, for our part of the state. It looks like that the storm is tacking to the east, he just said. So uh we may get less than anticipated. <music> news talk 1110 993 WBT. And welcome to the program Mark Thibodeau from the Weather Channel. For folks who I mean, may not be aware, long time to talk. How you been? I'm doing all right. So Mark used to uh, be on my show up in the mountains every single afternoon and we would talk weather. We would talk cookies. Um, he never did take Life up in general. <laughs> yeah, you never did. You realize I've tried to I've tried to give that idea, the cookie idea to like every one of your colleagues since. Every they one didn't of them take
4: on it. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't
0: bite. No, no pun intended. <laughs> no, pun intended. none of them. Yeah, none of them bid on this. What I think is a fantastic idea. I thought Jim Cantore. I thought he might be nibbling a bit at it, but uh, even he passed on this fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. But uh, such is life. So you're doing all right. Are you still? Uh, I, I guess you're still at the Weather Channel, right? Uh, obviously,
4: still at the Weather Channel.
0: Yeah. Yep.
4: Still, uh, still chasing these hurricanes and. Thinking about cookies and you know chasing storms.
0: You, you're just saying <laughs> that because you're talking to me. But anyway, good to hear your voice, sir. And uh, I all right, do, so let's. I, love, I do love cookies. I'll say that much. I just a little too much, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, so first off, uh, what do they got you on? Now? Are you doing the radio or the TV side of all this coverage, or a little bit of both?
4: So a little bit of both, yeah. Uh, radio today, then some um, some cutting coverage over the weekend, top and bottom, the hour to around night between eight and eleven. Eastern. I think I'll be just giving him some quick updates on what's going on with our our pal Ian, who has caused a lot of headaches for a lot of people. So yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So all right. So let's let's first look at what has already transpired before we get into the the uh, the the future forecasting here, right? So the what has happened so far is it obviously it ripped through Florida, uh, and uh, from what I understand, like there's you know tons of damage down there. Um, and so can you give us sort of a, a, a high level uh, report on on what y'all watched uh, and what you're aware of so, down in the Florida area.
4: So one of the biggest things is, uh, unfortunately, it did what we thought it was. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, it did what we thought it was going to do. Um, you know, people people had all the warnings, um, and it did track the way we thought it would in the Hurricane Center. Um, Center made landfall near, uh, pretty close to Sanibel Island uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Then it tracked inland northeast, and unfortunately, Fort Myers and Cape Coral, and... Um, Places like that were, in Naples, were south of where the center went in. So that means they had a southwest hurricane-force wind pushing all that water up the Caloosahatchee River. That's why we saw so much damage really far north up that river. And on Fort Myers Beach, obviously, we just had a Mongo storm surge somewhere in the order of 7 feet. You know, I was watching, there was a time-lapse camera that was planted uh, pretty close to the Lonnie Kai Resort, which is, uh, which is on Fort Myers Beach, beautiful place. But uh, what happened was it was planted 6 feet up off the road six feet high. And, it you know, I've been telling people this. If you were to have gone in for, like, let's say, going for lunch at 1130 a.m. because there's a restaurant in there, and then come out at 1 p.m., you would have gone in with a relatively dry parking lot and then came back out with six feet of water, not only up to the camera but submerging it at times, just in 90 minutes. That's wow. how quick the situation changed down there. And that nothing is more destructive than water. It not only gets things soaking wet, but it also destroys them, too, after it's being driven in by hurricane-force winds for hours on end. And that's what did most of the damage down there. One of some of the other lowlights, if you will, are the causeway that connects Sanibel Island to the mainland in southwest Florida is cut off, literally. There's no way to get on or off Sanibel Island by vehicle. You have to either do it by helicopter or by a ferry that can carry cars back to the mainland. So the situation down there is pretty serious. A lot of folks don't have running water, which is also obviously, you know, the, the very centerpiece of, you know, life itself. We have to have water to survive. So. Uh, I'm sure that you know a lot of help is on the way there with uh, FEMA and mm-hmm. the local state resources. But it's you know when you have a disaster like this, it really takes time uh, to get everything at least back to where people have the necessities. So that's why you want to always be prepared, have a hurricane plan going into one of these seasons. Because I mean, you can see how fast things can change just in the blink of an eye in 24 hours. You're from having a roof over your head, air conditioning, running water, everything else to maybe not a roof over your head and no power and lack of water so yeah just, just incredibly dangerous situation that ramped up so fast and we knew this was going to happen when it was over the caribbean it didn't look very impressive there but then it got in under those really favorable conditions up across the northwest caribbean into the eastern gulf and it just went to town right up to a category four and uh inland and uh, i'm one of the strongest systems ever to hit southwest florida just unbelievable damage down there
0: so I, I heard and i guess this is based just on wind speed that it was the fourth most powerful Hurricane to make landfall?
4: Uh it could be, yeah. I've okay. to be completely honest with you, I've not done a real deep dive okay. on stats. I, I will state this, as far as southwest Florida goes, probably one of the most powerful hurricanes ever, because Hurricane Charlie, when that made landfall near Punta Gorda in two thousand four, the difference was that was a much smaller system size wise. It had about a ten mile wide core of just destructive winds. But this system was much bigger. You could fit the entire circulation of Hurricane Charlie into the eye of Hurricane Ian. So this was a much bigger hurricane, uh, size-wise, about as intense as Charlie, but the hurricane force winds extended out 50 miles in the tropical storm force winds. I was reading one of the advisories uh, last night from the Hurricane Center. So the winds were, the TS winds, the 40-plus winds, went out something like 350 to 400 miles from the center. So you mm. can just imagine, uh, even, you know, Tropical storm-force winds, you look outside, you're like, whoa, that tree's going to snap in half. You know, hurricane-force wind, you're like, gee, I hope the whole house doesn't come apart. That's kind of the difference there. Yeah. Um, so just lots of water damage. Um, you know, I'm sure, unfortunately, there's going to be more fatalities because the destruction is just so immense over such a huge area. Um, and, you know, we had wind damage again in places like Punta Gorda that, you know, took it directly from Charlie back in '04. We had wind gusts that were over 120 miles an hour in places like Cape Coral uh, when the eye came ashore. Um, and you know, along with the six foot storm surge up the Colosahatchee. So there's just really a lot to unpack, but the bottom line is you got to be prepared for these preseason. have a hurricane plan. Even if you don't get a hurricane, save it for next year. You know, even just the basics, you know, one gallon of water per person per day, you know, if you, um, you know, if right. you don't have water to even shower with, how about two gallons of water per person per day that we have drinking water and water to clean with. So, yeah. Just, uh, So You just got to do it.
0: Are you able to stick around for another segment with me? Or if you got to go, I totally understand. Um, I can stick around for another one. Okay. All right. Well, let me put you on hold. We'll bring you back. That's Mark Thibodeau from The Weather Channel. All right. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Mark Thibodeau, meteorologist at The Weather Channel. For a couple more minutes here, I'll get you off quick. I promise, Mark. I appreciate you hanging out with me. I, ju- I was just looking, actually, during the break at one of the video feeds that you were talking about. Uh, it's just, it's yeah, just unbelievable the amount of power,
4: isn't it? It's just, I mean, it's just you can't even, even as a meteor. I've been a meteorologist since uh, professionally since 1996, and I can't even. Yeah, every time you look at these things in uh, the surge-prone areas, vulnerable areas for flooding and wind, you just can't believe it. Every time, it's just it's unbelievable.
0: So now um, it looks like it's um, seeing also another report that Paulie's Island, uh, 70 miles north of Charleston, seems to right. be the strike zone uh, for storm yep. surge. I'm watching a video here the that base. comes from Pauley's Island Police Department, and the the water is it's got to be about four feet high already. Uh, so that's where it's coming. So tell us, uh, all right, so what's uh, Hurricane Ian doing now, and uh, where do you see it going?
4: Okay, so we do officially, as of 2.05 p.m., we have had a landfall near Georgetown, South Carolina. So that is between North Myrtle Beach and, obviously, Charleston. And um, it is moving north at 15 miles an hour. We're starting to see it pick up in speed a little bit. So it's along, and in this case, north of where the center is going ashore, where we're going to get the surge. Because remember, the winds go counterclockwise around these low pressures. So if you have a northward moving storm, your surge potential is really gonna run from where it makes landfall northward. And sometimes when we have these bays and inlets, like we saw in Tampa Bay, the water will actually flow out and empty the bay for a little while. That's what we call a negative surge or inverse surge. But in this case, we're talking about a positive surge, an onshore surge, north of where it made landfall, north of Georgetown, could be on the order of, like you said, four to six feet, possibly locally higher in some uh, cases, especially where we have these uh, areas where the water gets squeezed played in some of these bays and inlets where you have a narrowing of the water. Think of like people narrowing, trying to go through a door or something, same kind of thing. It just, yeah, there's more volume to push through so you get a rise in the water level even quicker. So here's what we can expect as far as we are concerned, looking ahead to this evening. So it's an inland track now to the north, the way it looks, heading up through uh, Midlands of South Carolina, center of this looks like it's going to pass very close to us, maybe a little east of us, uh, as we head through the morning hours of Saturday. I'm thinking around 8 a.m. it's going to be northeast of us, possibly heading uh, between uh, Charlotte and Raleigh. And by then it's down to a tropical depression, because as you know, if you run these things up to gut over land, it, uh, they start to weaken. Uh, they lose their wind speeds. It's still going to be gusty. It's still going to be wet. And there still could be some trees and power lines coming down. So in the Charlotte area, that's what we need to think about tonight is the fact that there could be some power outages. We're in a tropical storm warning because the worst is yet to come. The worst of the weather, I think, is going to be this evening and into the early hours of Saturday morning. We're going to see the winds coming up as the system moves a little closer, moves further north. We're talking sustained winds of up to 30 miles an hour with a few gusts of 50 miles an hour. And remember, it's already raining out there, so, or it's going to be raining pretty soon. So as that occurs, that's going to wet the tree roots down a little bit. So if we get a couple of good gusts of wind coming by and the root systems are loosened, especially on these pine trees and uh, some of the other vulnerable shallow-rooted trees, they could come down. So if you have a tree right up against your house, you need to think about that. This evening, you might want to be away from the part of the house where the tree is located next to. Because If you get a gust of 50, you know, we've seen this happen a lot of times. We saw this when Hurricane Zeta went up through Atlanta. We had trees falling on the houses because we had winds over 50, 60 miles an hour and happened overnight. Uh, The good news is for us, I think a lot of our worst weather is going to be in the evenings. A lot of us might still be up to uh, pay attention to the weather. These things are so dangerous when they come through late at night because everybody turns in for the night. and They don't pay attention. They just go to sleep, and next thing you know, a tree comes through the house. So I'm not saying that's going to happen everywhere, but I think with a few gusts of 40 to 50, we could have some isolated, widely scattered power outages, most likely this evening and early Saturday morning. We're going to have bands of rain coming across. There is some flood potential. Right now I'm thinking we I'm going to be seeing about two to four inches of rain here in Charlotte. The further east you go, closer to where the track is, inland, that's where the totals are going to go up. You get uh, over towards Raleigh. You could be looking at four to six inches of rain. And then when you get up in terrain into southwest Virginia, as we head into late tonight and Saturday, some little pockets there up in the Shenandoah Valley might get 6-plus because of the terrain enhancement. That's always the case with these uh, decaying hurricanes as they move inland. So the worst of the weather this evening into the early hours of Saturday, and then improving as we go through Saturday is, is the leftover hurricane begins to move further inland away from us. But just keep that in mind tonight. Things could get a little rough around here for a few hours. So these gusty tropical storm force winds gusting at least, maybe to 40 miles an hour, locally higher, and the rain band's coming by. Just a good night to hunger down, stay inside. You don't have to do anything extra special in terms of, you know, preparing for a super-duper damaging wind event. We're not talking 80, 100 miles an hour, but we're talking about some gusts in the 40 range, maybe up to 50. So that's like a gale going by. That's enough to knock some trees over. And that's enough to cause a few problems with power outages. So that's kind of what we're looking at, Pete, as we head through the evening here in the Charlotte area.
0: So you're saying I should not? Because I was thinking about like, there's a tree next to my house. It's a tall pine tree. It's kind of old. I was going to go tonight uh, and just uh, chop it down. I should not uh, do that.
4: I mean, that's <laughs> go pretty quick. It's, uh, <laughs> no, get that chainsaw
0: out right now. No, no. I think your advice is better. To just don't hang out in that part of the house. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, that <laughs> might
4: be, you know, my voice might be a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit...
0: A little bit more prudent, yes, than uh, operating a chainsaw. Yeah.
4: Um, But, you know, and I know there's certain brands of trees that like to fall. Uh, you know, not all trees are created equal. Some fall a lot easier than others. If you have, you know, just a couple of crepe myrtles next to the house, you don't need to worry about those, you know. Mm-hmm. Or even poplars, they tend to do pretty well most of the time. Don't quote me on that. Sometimes those can fall, too, but... Any kind of a pine tree, things that tend to snap, you know, uh, especially taller pine trees, that's what we worry about because they fall under roofs, and that's what we call indirect structural damage. That's where the wind is not actually strong enough to actually peel the gutter off or something like that, like we would see with a 100-mile-per-hour gust. but something else is pushed into the house that then causes the damage, causes the gutter to come down or causes a gash in the roof. So that's kind of sort of what we are looking at tonight. Probably in isolated cases, I think the bigger thing would be, uh, if you live in an older neighborhood that still has some uh, has some above-ground wiring for the power system, you know, a lot of these newer neighborhoods, the wires are buried underground. There's a substation somewhere. If that could hit, obviously, you're going to lose power by a tree. But a lot of these older neighborhoods that have above-ground wiring, trees fall in those, and then the lights tend to go out. So just yeah. be prepared for the possibility that there could be some power outages tonight in spots, along with some very heavy rain. If you live in a flood-prone area, there could be some minor flood potential there as well. The, the uh, Hydrological Center, brand of the Weather Service, branch of the weather service is suggesting we have a moderate chance of some flash flooding across the area tonight into early Saturday as a result of our friend Ian as it comes across North Carolina.
0: You know you mentioned indirect structural damage. That was the name of my demolition derby team. Did you know that? That <laughs> nice. was that was <laughs> Did you do- <laughs> like drive trucks
4: in and like you know, like kind of like a uh, monster truck type stuff. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing well, how you always know the names of my old uh my old I, organizations. You know what? I've been good. you gotta keep up with stuff. That's right. Yeah. All right. Mark Thibodeau, it's great to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well and uh you, too, you sound too. like you're doing well, and uh people can look for you uh, on the weather channel. You're gonna be doing some cut ins and such this evening, you said, right? Uh tomorrow evening. Tomorrow yes, evening. evening, sorry. All I right. do believe at the top and bottom of the hour. Subject right. to change as with all things storm related. So, sure. All right, buddy. Thanks so much, Thank Mark Thibodeau from the Weather Channel. You got it. Thank you, sir. Be safe. All right, buddy. Uh, see ya. Yes, uh, it's always fun. Mark. Mark always knew all the names of like all of my old bands, all of my old demolition derby teams. It's really amazing. He would just say these names. I'm like, you know what? That was the name of my old. <laughs> all right. <laughs> News Talk 1110, WBT. WBT. Uh, so last hour, we had a chat with Tony, caller Tony. Um, I, I thought this would be uh, apropos. So I pulled a, uh, this is a piece by Frank Hill at uh, North State Journal, NSJ Online. Progressive liberal Democrats think every conservative is a fascist who's just dying to take over government and run things like Italian strongman fascist leader Benito Mussolini did before World War II. And to assert American conservatives are fascists who want to take over government at any level is actually laughable on its face, right? Like, he had friends, I did too, who said, you know, Donald Trump is Mussolini and he's a fascist and he's a tyrant and all this. And worst fascist strongman ever, right? Where were the the brown shirts? Where were they, right? Why isn't he still in power? All right, so then you got director Ken Burns, Uh, who did a three-part series on PBS about the Holocaust and American complicity in Hitler's rise to power. And he said he moved up the release date to 2022 because of the troubling rise of authoritarianism he has seen in America. And, of course, he's referring to January 6th, right? According to the Major Cities Police Chiefs Association, though, 2,000 law enforcement officers were injured. In 8,700 protests nationwide. Right, 574 events were declared riots with violence and other criminal acts. 624 arsons started with 97 police vehicles burned. Officers attacked with bricks, fireworks, Molotov cocktails. 2385 incidents of looting. of all arrests involved civil disobedience, and 16,200 people arrested for protest-related crimes. Local district attorneys declined to prosecute more than half of those cases. Now, Ken Burns has not produced a documentary for PBS about Hillary Clinton and the left's efforts to undermine the peaceful transfer of power from Barack Obama to Donald Trump in 2016. If you ever wanted to document the rise of fascism in America, he has plenty of evidence to pursue from the left. There's a video, actually, a uh, fellow put together of all of the uh, 2016 election deniers in the media, uh, in the Democrat Party, but I repeat myself. Right, All of these people who were denying that Donald Trump won. They called him illegitimate, that Russia hacked the election, all of that. And the guy who put together the compilation video, it runs about five minutes on YouTube, had it demonetized by YouTube for spreading misinformation, for questioning the results of elections. But all of the source material still exists. So, so if you're MSNBC and you've got on your YouTube channel all of your talking head experts talking about how the election was stolen in 2016, you get to keep that up. You get to keep monetizing that. But the guy who took the clip and put it into a compilation to show that you guys were denying the election results in 2016, no, no, no. That gets demonetized. The truth of the matter is, conservatives, you might want to brace yourself for this one, don't like government very much. It's true. Anyone who is center-right on the political spectrum does not want to take over government. They want our government to perform the basics of civil government and stay out of the rest of their lives and businesses. Trying to get an accomplished conservative uh, business professional to run for office, it's almost impossible. Ask an activist liberal to run for office, and they jump at the chance, right? Why? Why? American conservatives are classical liberals who love freedom, freedom of choice in business, education, religion, association, assembly, media, entertainment, recreation, right? They don't want one person or trust one person or a group of people, you know, narrow-minded ideologues to make decisions for them. Now, on the other hand, you have progressive liberal Democrats. They absolutely love GovCo. The more government control they have, why, the merrier they are why doesn't make sense to call the people that hate the government fascists.
5: Two six-packs of Shiner 99-cent butane lighter Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron I down that igloo cooler Take a guess at all the door I can feel a good one coming on Over. No chance of staying sober I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we're gonna roll all night We're gonna get the feeling right We're gonna keep this party rocking Till the break of dawn Yeah, I can feel a good one coming on
0: By the way, uh, this song is also a public service announcement because, like, blackberry smoke they just listed my entire prep list for riding out the hurricane tonight did you catch that
5: three blondes in a ragtop top mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long skinny dipping in the bright moonlight situation couldn't be more right i can feel Yeah, I can feel a good one feel like a good one. I can feel a good
0: one coming on. Also buying those uh, solar panels seems like a really smart decision now everybody else's power goes out tonight. I'm gonna be able to ride my solar panels. oh wait a minute. all right never mind. All right, y'all have a great weekend. Stay safe. Brett Winterbill will keep you updated on the latest with Hurricane Ian, and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.